because you can't you can't be villainous if you're dancing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. for this so welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me ian harris me graham jones nice to see you again ian after a week away a whole week away it was it was torture i just sat in front of this microphone just looking forlorn at an empty zoom screen yeah i was doing the same and i was just everything i came across i was just giving my top threes and my colleagues got very annoyed with me i was i was ra- ranking my top three colleagues it got quite awkward at times. Oh, that's the time it's, it's back to the myspace top friends days <laughs> Always, I'd always throw a band in the top three just to like mix it up a little bit. But I no, I was doing the same. I was ranking everything, so I decided my top coffee of the day is the one just before lunch. Nice. So like the not not the first one in the morning because I never think you're. That's more of that that coffee has too much purpose than wanting to enjoy the coffee. Yeah. The the late morning pre lunch one, you can have a coffee you actually enjoy. It's a bit more about en- enjoying the bean, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, see, this is what this is what happens when we take time it's, off. Yeah, I'm actually uh, so I have two consecutive coffees first thing in the morning. So as soon as my first one finishes, I pour another one, and then I don't have a third coffee until after lunch. I then have a coffee with lunch. That's odd. What if your lunch? What if your lunch is soup? Well, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, as long as you don't pour it into the soup. But you can't have two hot liquids. I mean, we're getting v- way off track here, but there <laughs> yeah. there is an issue if you're drinking coffee and soup together for lunch. And you know who else has issues, Graham? <laughs> An assortment of movie villains. So <laughs> oh, that was tenuous. Nice segue. Thanks, I tried. So this week we're talking about villains who may have had a point. So obviously a lot of films do just have bad guys who want to destroy the world. And that's generally where it ends. A lot of them, not, not that you necessarily agree with the their means and motives but you kind of kind of get it yeah i guess if you if you go down a proper sort of consequentialist view that we're going to get deep into kantian philosophy are we i think well people have told me i'm a massive kant (laughs) yeah you're hard of hearing as well what sorry hey hey Hey. oh classic (laughs) classic banter classic philosopher banter so Pre-warning, so we we have recorded this intro before we've gone into the podcast. One of our choices, there has been a disagreement about it, and there (laughs) is a chance that after this episode airs, Graham and I will no longer be friends. So we have that to look forward to. Yeah, and also apologies in advance if this episode is longer than about four hours. Yeah, you may have to turn turn your headphones down if you're listening to this. (laughs) Wouldn't recommend it listening to it on speakers. It's going to be a good one. So with no no further ado, let's uh, let's crack into our movie recommendation nobody asked for. And that's my choice. And I thought, with the idea of understanding villains, um, it had to be 2010's Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Nice, good choice. Great film. So, so Tucker and Tale vs. Evil is Alan Tudyk and Taylor Labine, Labin, or however you pronounce his surname. Um, and they're basically two hillbillies in a cabin in the woods who get uh, attacked by a group of students on spring break. And the idea is the students think 
their crazy hillbillies in the woods and end up accidentally killing themselves around them. And it is one of the most bizarre, dark comedies I've ever seen. And apart from maybe the last 15 minutes, I think it's fucking incredible. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. it it's, it's one of those films where it's just, it's, it's a fun, new, fresh take on a genre that that hasn't really played out and it's one of those ones and we'll probably talk about this quite a bit today but where you're seeing it from the opposite point of view yeah right? and you're seeing it from the quote-unquote crazy hillbilly point of view where actually they're not and you know maybe that'll you know it opens up some interesting like it would be quite fun to see like friday the 13th from jason's mum's point of view um for example yeah i mean that was I did toy with the idea of doing that because, you know, her son did die, but also she's murdering a bunch of people in in the woods. Who had nothing to do with the death yeah, of her son. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, it's a good choice. I like Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. What if you're not really feeling a bit of a, a dark comedy movie? Anything else that we could go for? Um, so obviously the, the opposite of dark would be light. So... How about a film that takes place just entirely in sunlight? You know, everything's well lit, there's hardly any shadows, there's not a lot of literal darkness on the screen. Um, and that is Midsummer, the Ari Aster movie uh, starring Florence Pugh, and I believe his name is that guy from The Good Place. It is exactly his name. It's Chitty from The Good yeah, Place. exactly, yeah. It's, it, is a, it is a great film. I, I, I still can't get over how you can make a horror movie without any use of shadow at all. Yeah, at least in the most horrifying, I guess, in the, the setup, there's yeah elements of, of darkness and shadow. But yeah, uh, for the for the majority of how it plays out. And also a horror movie that is the, what, it's verging on three hours? Yes, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a long slog, but it doesn't feel like a long slog. So good. I'm looking forward to, I think you sent the link today that um, they've just announced uh, his... His new film with Wacken Phoenix, which should be um, should be yeah, great. and by great I mean we, we will have it will trouble us on a level we're not fully comfortable with. But yeah, so those those are our movie recommendation choices. Uh, this episode is villains who had a point, and I believe again I say I believe I know for a fact we are starting with you, Graham. We are. So my first choice, um, it's a little bit of a, a cliched one, and I think it's had a lot of talk around it there's a subreddit dedicated to it but i think it's an important one to include and i think there is there's an argument here to say that there is a point to to the the terrible things that the person did and that villain is i can't really pin him down to a single movie so i will say the mcu's uh i thought i honestly thought you were struggling with his name and and that is (laughs) <laughs> Thanos. Thanos. No. However, Thanos. one of one of one of the reasons why um, the other character that I was going to talk about that's quite similar to Thanos, and I didn't pick him, a because he's quite similar, and b his his name is annoying to say, and that was Ozymandias, um, which I probably fucked up a little bit there. Ozymandias, well. Ozymandias. We would have just called him Ozzy. It would have gone into a weird Australian Aussie. bit. Yeah. We would have tried to have done accents. <laughs> It wouldn't have gone well. Yeah. Or just be like, Sharon. So Thanos. So Thanos obviously is the big bad guy who has overshadowed 22 
and a bit movies um, in the MCU, culminating in Endgame. And obviously what he did or what his mission was to do was to wipe out half of all living creatures, which sounds quite bad. Doesn't sound like something you can really, really defend. It's not ideal. It's, It's not ideal. But he's obviously he has reasoning behind behind it. Despite being labelled the Mad Titan, he's you know there is some method to his madness, and that is that. In order to have a flourishing civilization, what can't happen is overpopulation leading to warring, starvation, etc., due to lack of resources to sort of go forward. So his idea is you take out half of the population, you deal with overpopulation, and it allows people to to thrive, essentially. And also, in doing so, it wasn't a targeted... um, You know, he's not like, I'm going to take out all of those one type of people because I don't like them. It was completely non-specific. Your your, your defence there is, at least it wasn't genocide. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is a good defence. That's a very very glass half full way to... To watch it. I mean, that's that's a fair defense. If I did something to offend you, right? And I was like, at least it isn't genocide, Ian. That that's going to be a t-shirt logo. <laughs> but you know, that's that is that is a that is a bar that is very significantly high for bad things, and that's not something that he did. He was just. It was it was more of a like a badger cull. <laughs> a a big. Big badger cull. <laughs> and it wasn't even yeah. just humans. Like, the birds fucked off and stuff as well. It was half of... It was everything. half of all living things. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, there were maybe some issues about how he went about it, because it wasn't just the snapping of the fingers. He had to get all of the Infinity Stones, blah, blah, blah. He obviously murdered half of... He murdered Gamora's family and stole her as a child and turned her into a weapon. Probably not the best way about going about things. But... On the flip side, you know, there's that bit in Endgame where Cap is telling Natasha that actually, you know, it's quite nice around here. There's less pollution in the docks because there's less people around. To that, that's the it. thing. Nobody thinks about how this affects the docks. No. <laughs> Everyone's just like, oh, everyone's dead. But nobody thought, hey, you know what? My wife and kids are dead. But God, have you seen the water? Yeah, but do you know, go back to... We talk about the docks, right? What was season two of The Wire? If 50% less people were around, then everyone would have the jobs that they were struggling to get. They would have all of the shifts. It would have solved season two of The Wire as well. Thanos is is giving back to everyone, including the citizens of Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, no, true. Again, very few people think about how Thanos would impact season two of The Wire. (laughs) In fact... Probably no one until now. No, it's good. I, I'm glad we're on the right side of history with this one. Um, <laughs> the issue with Thanos is a it's a it's a laudable goal, very understandable, wanting to, like you said, um, stop the drain on resources and things like that. But he does have a gauntlet which allows him to rewrite basically like the very source code of reality. So. There are other ways he could have done things. He could have doubled the resources everywhere. He could have 
Yeah, but then you'd have to make the like planet bigger, and then that would throw it off its axis, and then you'd hurtle into the sun. And you'd... But then he could make the, the sun smaller. He could have. He could have. <laughs> he could have just made more jobs on the docks in Baltimore in season two of The Wire. <laughs> But you also wouldn't need a gauntlet for that. He would just have to, I don't know, start up a competing firm or something. Now that is a wire series I'd want to watch. <laughs> but that Marvel, Marvel, I'm not sure how we do a whole episode after that. Marvel have always been quite, they, they have had some, I, I was going to say that they've always been good with villains, but they haven't. Um, they have had some very, very good villains that, are, that do yeah. are very fleshed out and very kind of understandable. So one of the choices I was going to do, but we didn't want to spend a third of the podcast doing just the MCU, is so uh, Killmonger from Black Panther. Yep. His goals are basically trying to stop institutional and systematic racism and stuff like that. But the the way he goes about it is what's villainous rather than why he's doing it. And again, it, it it was his birthright to fight Chadwick Boseman in a pool, in a waterfall. So you know, you can't you can't take that away from a man. No, and it was in a in a similar vein in Thor Ragnarok. Hela also yeah. technically was her birthright to to be where where she was. So yeah, I think you're right. There are that is one thing that the MCU does quite well. There's obviously some with. Some villains with maybe a little bit less substance. I'm I'm looking at you, Bill. Ah, what's your first name, Mr. Kingsley? Ben. Ben Kingsley, not Bill Kingsley. Yeah. <laughs> Bill K- <laughs> Sir Bill Kingsley. It's, the one that always gets me is um, Malekith in Thor 2. Where it's like, yeah. oh, so, so Malekith, why, why, what's your plan? Like, oh, we want to, uh, we want to take all light out of the universe. Like, oh, cool. And why is that? Like, oh, we're dark elves. Okay, um, but but why? It's like, well, we're dark elves, mate. Dark. It's in the it's in the name. Dark elves. He just really, really likes that Pink Floyd album. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't know enough Pink Floyd albums to make a joke that I purposefully misunderstood what you meant. That's gonna kill me. <laughs> next time, next time you set me up for a sarcastic Pink Floyd reference, I'll do it. Okay. You get get revising. But yeah, and look, um, the other thing that you have, you know. Earth is improving. The guys in 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 Baltimore are, are getting their jobs, and you kind of you have five years without incident, really. That there's no need for, um, at least on Earth, there's no need for the Avengers to step in and sort of take down another Killmonger or Hela or whatever. They're, in that intervening period, nothing's happening. People are just getting on with the things now obviously maybe we're not exploring how losing 50 percent of the workforce is impacting the global economy and things like that but endgame was already three hours long so probably didn't have enough time to go into it but ultimately the threat to humanity or at least the 50 percent of humanity that's left has essentially disappeared i they do they they are doing they're they're, trying to find that yeah okay (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's what they're There's doing. There's some work they're doing, but it does very yeah, much, which is basically, yeah, it does very much seem to be. Wait, is that Hawkeye fucking people up? Yeah, Hawkeye just went and just went on a sort of, but he he wasn't taking out any like 
existential threats to humanity. He was just fucking over people who were like drug dealers and, and things like that. Yeah. And another benefit, right? Because technically, if this hadn't happened, Hawkeye would have still had his family, therefore wouldn't have turned into a vigilante and started taking out drug dealers and cleaning up the streets all over the world. And no, you're not going to interject and try and say that I made a bad point there. Um, Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, uh, yeah, that was a that's an interesting one. I'll just I'll let that that will just marinate yeah. in itself, and we we will come back to that later. <laughs> but yeah, so I think um, there is a, and look, I, I will be I'll present a fully balanced argument here. Right, there is the slight issue of the when it didn't go the way he wanted it to go. He basically then decided the next best thing was to reset the universe. Um, he basically was doing a control delete, which, but again, that wasn't his main deal, right? His main deal was the first we're talking about in the context of like what he wanted to do. That was his, just when his second work. plan seemed to be a lot more out of spite and out of actually trying to improve things. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And then there is also I watched a video recently about uh, overpopulation on the planet we live on, Earth. And there is an argument to say that based on societal norms and uh, the way that societies progress, that by about the year 2100, overpopulation will probably not be a thing because everything will start to, to level out. Now, there's an argument to say that maybe that could still have an impact on climate change, etc., etc. before then, but is overpopulation of the planet as imminent a threat i don't know but why take a chance so but <laughs> you, you look bewildered i just like that i was just i just think it's like did, did have we as a podcast just condoned killing half of everything in existence <laughs> i'm not condoning it i'm just you know we're not and we're not even saying he was right the title of the episode is that he had a point and he kind of did um so yeah that's i think i've kind of gone over everything that made sense um but yeah and ultimately with with what thanos did and all of the acts that he 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 committed you have to you know we spoke about the top of the episode you have to think about how you're judging morality and ethics because if you do take the sort of consequentialist stance then there is an argument to say that the ends would justify the means of getting them I believe, um, I believe oh, it's uh, needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few doesn't factor into it, does it? It's the means of the half outweigh the means of the other half. <laughs> Damn it, Spock! My first choice, then. So, um, we had some feedback on uh, our last episode um, that it may have gone a bit heavy in parts. So, for this part, what I've done is prepared a 10-minute historical deep dive where i've outsourced some of my research to someone else just so we can get even more information into it so my villain that i'm talking about is lord cutler beckett who is governor of the east india company in pirates of the caribbean dead man's chest and more prominently in at world's end so cutler beckett spends pretty much the entirety of the films hunting down and generally making life difficult for the the pirates um, and his actions are generally motivated by his hatred of them and the global threat that they have to both commerce and East India Company. So basically, his villainous goal 
is that he wants to get, you know, he wants to rid the world of piracy. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> so he's basically the drummer from Metallica. Yes. Yeah, that took me a while, but yes, yeah. So Lord <laughs> Cutler Beckett is just, he hates Napster. And <laughs> he's just, he's just fucking going for it. But a brief caveat from the outset, um, it is wrong to hang children. On to my other points. So, to understand why Lord Beckett had a point, we need to understand why pirates aren't heroes and why pirates are bad. So, for this, we move on to my uh, I Have a History Degree section. So, friend of the podcast, Alan Wallace, was set the task of finding out as much pirate shit as he could for me. And he came back with a very well-typed-up Word document about it. So a lot of my section is lifted pretty much verbatim from the information he gave us. So thanks, Alan. But you are shit at fantasy football. So why is hunting down pirates a noble goal? See, I wasn't joking about going deep into history on this one. Pirates were both a threat to people and to the economy. So there were estimates of two and a half thousand active pirate ships in the Caribbean kind of at their peak, and that's kind of where... So parts of the Caribbean is set in kind of the later stages of the golden age of piracy. There were two and a half thousand active vessels, but only 13,000 Royal Navy sailors, even during the war, and that was globally. So there, were, there wasn't really anyone there to be able to kind of police it and curtail it. They could properly run rampant in the Caribbean and kind of the surrounding areas. And the pirate crews, because the way they were, they were run, you know, they were big groups of people, so they would often vastly outnumber Navy crews anyway. So if a pirate ship came across a Navy ship, they might just in sheer force of numbers be able to outnumber them, because that's how force of numbers works. And these pirate ships could have up to 50 cannons on, which is just fucking insane. So in 1713, because I am being serious about me turning this into a history podcast for this section, um, a group of Virginia-based merchants sent a letter um, to the governors basically saying that piracy was a greater danger to trade than French and Spanish were in times of war. So pirates weren't good. And to, to really hammer that home, I now present to you my fucked up shit pirates have done list. So there's a pirate called Edward Lowe, who after a Portuguese uh, captain... Um, Chris, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. So after Cristiano... No, so... <laughs> so Edward Lowe, um, so after withholding loot from him, he cut the lips off the master of a Portuguese ship and had them boiled in front of him and then murdered his crew. He would later then go on to murder 45 people just in cold blood while he was in the Bay of Honduras. There was a pirate called Philip Lynn, who, when he was on the gallows, boasted of killing 37 captains through his career. Uh, Charles Vane, who's one of the main characters in Black Sails, which is a criminally underrated TV series that's available on Amazon Prime. He's a weird man. Um, gets more attractive the dirtier he gets. It's kind of strange. Um, he hung a man until he was almost dead, cut him down, had him revived, and then cut his collarbones open. Um, he then boarded another ship, tied a sailor to the bowsprit, that's the part that sticks out front of the boat, 
burning matches in his eyes, uh, pistol in his mouth until this guy told him where they were hiding money. Um, there was another pirate called Francis Le, Le Olenoir who practiced what was called walding, which involved placing, uh, placing a sailor next to the ship's mast, tying a rope around them and tightening it until his eyes popped out. Uh, he would also execute every member of Spanish ships he came across, apart from one, and that guy would then go off and tell everyone what was happening. Uh, he also once cut out a man's heart and ate it. So, these are the these are the people we're dealing with. Like, so okay, I have a question though. So, if if Mister Cutler Beckett was such a honourable guy, why was he focusing on Jack Sparrow? Particularly in uh in an there's there's an instance I'm not sure which film it's in but where Jack Sparrow f- uh, frees a load of slaves from a ship. That, and, that's not that's not um, from the films. That's that's my caveat. <laughs> so uh, okay, even so, Jack Sparrow, you know, did not do any of these awful things that you're talking about. These other pirates are doing. So surely, Mister Cutler Beckett should have been focusing on those pirates rather than. Jack Sparrow. And uh, true, true. But Cutler Beckett wasn't... He, so he hated Jack Sparrow. Um, so he's the guy who um, branded him, apparently. Um, so he did hate Jack Sparrow, and that clearly drove a lot of his actions. But he was trying to wipe out pirates in general. So during um, At World's End, uh, Brethren Corp, which features Keith Richards, because of course it does, uh, mentions that they're being driven to extinction. So his work is combat. He he is taking on piracy as a whole, even if he does particularly hate Jack Sparrow. And Jack Sparrow may not have done, you know, he may not have tortured people and eaten hearts that we know of. Um, but he still did take part in piracy, <laughs> and piracy also had a massive um, economic impact as well. So. Obviously, kind of around this time, trade was a massive part in growing these um, kind of European nations and established uh, states. And pirates had huge consequences in terms of losses of revenue, insurance payouts, um, sheer cost of having to mobilize basically the military to be able to go in and take them down. Uh, And in that, it would also then destabilize politics and drag powers into uh, conflicts, which would obviously be costly in terms of money and of human life and things like that. So between 1715 and 1728, there was zero growth in British shipping in the region because of piracy. There were roughly two and a half thousand vessels um, that were plundered. 11% of those were destroyed. Blackbeard alone, um, who is played by Ian McShane in Pirates of the Caribbean 4. Apparently plundered 100 ships, just, just him and his crew. Blackbeard was... The stuff you read about him sounds like a film character. So his beard was so big you couldn't see his face. And he put lit fuses in it. So it would look like his head was on fire. And you just have smoke coming out. So in 1680... Uh, there was a buccaneer raid on several Spanish ships in Panama, and they looted what would have been the equivalent of £70 million. Um, Henry Avery captured a fleet worth £70 to £80 million, um, and there was also 
barbaric torture and murder during that as well. Um, William Kidd captured uh, a merchant ship, which was £42 million. Uh, there was a sunken Spanish treasure fleet, which was looted over three months and £90 million was recovered. Um, Sam Bellamy captured the wider and took £400 million off of it. So this is like vast, vast amounts of money. And this is what these pirates were doing. A, a lot of people would kind of see it as them wanting to be free of, you know, governments and things like that. There were some political reasons people would um, want to get involved, but there was also just thousands of sailors who, when there wasn't a war on, didn't really have a lot to do. So would kind of turn to piracy. But yeah, like, it was brutal. And it was having a very real impact on merchants, on countries, on, on everything. And Cutler Beckett was just trying to trying to stop that. And his methods may not have been I can't get behind his methods, because as I hinted at at the beginning, there is a prominent scene at the beginning of At World's End where he hangs a child. That's not all. Like the whole scorched earth approach probably isn't the best way to go about it. But there was a it was a full on sort of Salem witch trials of people being accused of pirates and hung. So, yeah, so he was hanging everyone who was found guilty of aiding or associating with pirates. And in towns like Port Royal or Nassau, everybody would have associated or aided with pirates. But the Dead Man's Chest opens with, I think it's Elizabeth and Will's wedding day. And he turns up with a warrant for their arrest and it is seen as like this big villainous act but the warrant is because they conspired to set free a man who'd committed crimes against the empire and they had the good guys in the movie are constantly breaking the law they're breaking people out of prison they're being pirates and the main antagonist is the guy trying to bring this to justice so it's basically Javert he, he, he is the Javert of the high seas and he defeats the Kraken, which the heroes couldn't do during the film. But also um, none of the pirates it, that sounds like you're taking a piss. Just just FYI that's what that noise sounds like. I was, I was going to edit <laughs> um, out my microphone but I am pouring a beer. Uh, you've thrown me off with your pissing on camera. None of the pirates. Um, none of None of the pirates hung any children true this and also a lot of the a lot of the kind of yes they're pirates in pirates of the caribbean but they're kind of like jolly pirates there's none of this burning out eyes etc et yeah but you can't you you can't just arrest bad pirates like piracy is still you 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 so let me let me rephrase shall i you can't just Go after the very, 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 very bad pirate. Piracy is yeah, still a crime. Shouldn't, but you also shouldn't only focus on the ones that aren't quite that bad. But he he wasn't. So he was trying basically to bring out. So he was he was he, he, he was hanging. He had a grudge. He was hanging so many people so that they would start singing. And when they start singing, apparently this means the brethren court have to meet, and that's all of the high pirate kings and shit. He was trying to call them out so he could find them and then kill all of them. So, and 
The way he did that was by hanging everyone in sight, which isn't ideal, but I assume he would be fine if he just randomly selected 50% of people and went for them. That was exactly what my next point was going to be. <laughs> um, yeah, like there's there's been other ways to... So uh, royal pardons were a big way of getting rid of pirates, uh, basically offering them a pardon and saying like, look, just stop being a pirate and we'll forget about it. But obviously a lot of them would then immediately go back into piracy as soon as they'd found you know, or somewhere but yeah my, my my general argument here is pirates as i have shown are bad they were bad for people bad for countries bad for the economy bad for growing nations in general and cutler beckett though he was harsh was just trying to stop them i can't agree with his methods but you know if it wasn't for a heart in a box belonging to a magically tentacled Illinois, maybe, just maybe, he would have stopped piracy. Which is a shame, because I wouldn't have been able to have watched any films at uni. I mean, the thing is, is he stopped jovial Disney pirates. He didn't stop proper pirates. And maybe if he'd have focused on, I don't know, the HBO pirates, then fine. But Disney pirates... I've 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 been on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride many times at Disneyland, <laughs> and they never did anything to me. They were nothing but welcoming. They sung songs. It was wonderful. Yeah, well, those pirates need to know what they fucking stand for. But seriously, Black Sails is fucking amazing. People need to watch Black Sails. Um, so uh, so ends my I have a history degree section. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm gonna go back to a film we have mentioned probably more times than any other film on this podcast. It is, um, it's The Matrix, um, which is a, a film we have referenced many, many times. Is it, sorry, sorry, just before we go into it. Is it The Muppets The Matrix or is it just The Matrix? Uh, it's, well, it's The Matrix universe, but not The Muppets The Matrix. Okay, good. I, I, just, so just... I just needed to make sure we we're on the same page. Okay. Did you see today that apparently all of the episodes of The Muppets now are coming with a warning on Disney Plus that they might be offensive? Really? Yeah. I don't I don't know the ins and outs of it, but apparently so. Interesting. I mean Conso does fuck chickens. <laughs> Continue, please. So the Matrix. So the Matrix. So again, this is this is taking the Matrix into account as the as the universe of the Matrix, not just the, the one movie, because a lot of what I'll talk about here was actually spoken about and delved into in the Animatrix, which again we've spoken about a couple of times on here before, which is a series of I think it was seven or eight short animated films that flesh out the Matrix kind of mythos and came out after the first Matrix but before the awful sequels. So Obviously, in the Matrix, the big thing is that the machines have enslaved the entire human race and turned them into goopy batteries. And that would make you think that the machines are the bad guys, which is how they're painted in the Matrix. But if you take into account how we got to goopy battery human race, you kind of start to understand why they did what they I'm did. I'm giving you one more reference of goopy before I make a Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> joke. <laughs> just there's there's a lot of there's a lot of jade eggs floating <laughs> around um but yeah so essentially humans obviously created machines 
machines um, evolved to a point that they became sentient and independent and were advancing at a rate that the humans weren't comfortable with. So the machines basically... I don't know if they struck a deal as such, but they were like, okay, well, we'll go live in the desert. We'll start our own city. We won't bother you. What do they call the city? I have no idea. I don't remember. Oh. <laughs> I can't remember. It, it was very, like, Judge Dredd sci-fi naming convention. I'm fairly sure it was called Zero One, something like that. It probably, that, yeah. Binary town. But yeah, so they, they go, they live in their city, but as they're living in their city and they're prospering and they're evolving at a faster rate than the humans, the it becomes sort of the most prosperous city on Earth. I assume it's called Zero One after your fist bump there. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I did just fist bump after quickly Googling it to find out. <laughs> cool. So yeah, they... they, they their whole point is that we're going to coexist with the humans, but um, we, we'll do our own thing. And yeah, they become sort of the most prosperous nation on Earth, and humans take um, particular issue with this and wage war against the machines. And again, this is mostly born out of the fact that they're sort of jealous and pissed off that the machines are doing better than them. And not only did they declare war, the humans were willing to wipe out one of their, like, essentially the sky because that was the power source for the machines because they were, you know, working from, from solar power. So the humans not only were doing this to fuck over the machines, but essentially fucking themselves over as well because obviously endless night is not a good way to sort of, you know, grow crops or have a normal civilization. Not a good way to do that, but it is a fucking brilliant band name. <laughs> so so yeah, like so the the war ensues and obviously the machines win because they're far superior, they've evolved, and because the humans have taken out their power source, they decide, okay, well we're gonna turn you into goopy batteries. So um, um... Something about Gwyneth Paltrow. In your research, did you find out what it was called when they blotted out the sun? Uh, I don't have So, in what will obviously be Endless Night's first album, Operation Dark Storm. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah, I can hear the title track now. So they turned them into their power source, right? So the, the humans took away their power source, so in defeating the humans, they turned the humans into their power source. But the thing is as well, like if you really think about it, they didn't, you know, it wasn't a power source where the humans were being tortured to provide power. It wasn't that they were left there to sort of rot in an endless limbo. They, the, the machines wrote software that made the humans think that they were still living absolutely normal, carefree lives that's, within the Matrix. That's not technically true. And to go to, to give you more ammunition for your argument, first of all, they try to give them like a utopia Garden of Eden kind of thing. But humanity rejected it as too unbelievable. So they then had to just give them a normal life. The machines even tried to give them <laughs> the perfect world. And us being the pessimistic fuckers we are just went, ah, this doesn't feel right, does it? 
<laughs> no. Can can we just have a little bit of that normality, please? Just just make sure you write in some nine to fives in, into the into the. Software. I know I know I could be hanging out with centaurs in the mythical forest, but there is paperwork that needs to be done by Tuesday. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, arguably, the humans have never really suffered as a consequence of what the machines decided to do, despite them trying to end the very existence of the machines. Um, and also. Let's also not forget that up until the point that, that the machines became evolved enough to sort of start their own society and, and moving, they were used as slaves by humans for years and years and years. So if anything, they're not even sort of fully getting their own back for everything that's happened because it's not just the war. It's not just them wiping out their power source. There's also the fact that they were basically enslaved by the human race to carry out their bidding for like hundreds and thousands of years. So, yeah, I, you know, the the machines kind of had a point. Yeah, um, again, uh, we 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 did have feedback that we go a bit too heavy on this podcast, so I hope this doesn't this doesn't seem too out there. But what exactly is consciousness, Graham? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I, I, it, <laughs> It does come down to what you deem as alive. Because True, but also in that context, you also don't, you don't know. Like, in theory, as we've mentioned before, our good friend Elon Musk thinks that perhaps even this is a simulation. Uh, true, true. But all I'm saying is if my kettle rebelled against me, I wouldn't be too happy. And, you know... <laughs> Kettle has a job. Is that because it would it would really fuck up that that pre pre lunch coffee? There is a system, <laughs> and everything <laughs> works towards that system. But yeah, it make it it does make sense. I mean, I feel like the giant calamari robots maybe didn't necessarily have to go as well, not scorched earth like Cutler Beckett, more scorch, scorched uh, scorched everything with it. But, well, but ev- everything was scorched because of the humans. This, this is true. They are definitely villainous, but I feel like they were driven to it. Yeah, they just all they tried to do was thrive. Thrive. They were living their best life. Yeah. Oh god, I love the Animatrix. I haven't watched that in ages. I definitely had the Animatrix on DVD. It came it in. The, it was in the cardboard yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. with the little, the little like locky yeah, yeah. bit. Yeah. Oh, good times. Uh, I, I watched that a lot. But so, so, so the humans were wired into like the like the post-apocalyptic national grid, right? Rather than being yeah, and I have three big ones and a small one kind of thing. What countdown? Yeah, no batteries. <laughs> like <laughs> you didn't have like double A's. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 all plugged in. Yeah, it's not it's not a. Uh... You, you, as far as I know, it's not like your your machine TV remotes run out and you need to pluck two children to. Cause I assume children's of the triple A's. But do you know what? If your matey Beckett had anything to do, there wouldn't be any triple A's around, would there? Because he'd have hung them all. Well, if your mate Thanos was around, there would be half, <laughs> and, and we wouldn't be sure which batteries were left. A point A and a half. Yeah. Ah, uh, good times. <laughs>
moving on then. So this is kind of a difficult one we're just talking conceptually because what these villains do in this film is torture and murder five college students. Which which isn't isn't as heroic as say what, you know, Thor gets up to on a daily basis or anything like that. But so my my choice is Cabin in the Woods. So mm-hmm. Cabin in the Woods is an incredible meta horror movie. So Cabin in the Woods sets out to explain why so many horror films are formulaic. Um, it follows Dana, Kurt, who's played by pre-Thor Chris Hemsworth. I think it's pre-Thor Chris Hemsworth, but it came out after Thor. Uh, Jules, Marty, and Holden, who go to a cabin in the woods. And then you cut to a remote laboratory where people are man- manipulating the events that are happening there. So they have a load of like remote camera, uh, hidden cameras around everywhere. They're controlling drug levels that are being pumped into places to hinder rational thinking. And they're also taking bets on how these people say, are going to die. That's my favourite, the the whole like uh, sweepstake board that they have. Yes, so these guys are betting on how these characters are going to die. And then basically they go into the basement of this cabin in the woods and there's a load of random objects around and depending which ones they interact with will depend which creature is going to be unleashed to commit horrific things to them. And there is a brilliant scene where they have all of the monsters up on a whiteboard and they have the various departments of this company and what they're putting their money on. So I won't go through the whole list, but some of the names on the list include so vampires, uh, snowman, uh, the sugar plum fairy, uh, dismemberment goblins, Sasquatch slash Wendigo slash Yeti, which nobody has bet on yet, which is upsetting. Uh, a giant, the doctors, zombie redneck torture family, which I believe is the one that's actually picked. Yep, that's that's the one in the movie, and they're they're annoyed. They wanted mermen, right? think is the yes there's he a wants, line and it was like why is it why is, why is it, it never the word merman so hadley yeah. picks the merman and an uh, angry molesting tree which is an evil dead reference but i feel like it needs to yep. be acknowledged that that's kind of weird so graham i put it to you with absolutely yeah no preparation which of those which of the names on the board which we will share on instagram and i'll make sure it's in the episode notes do you think you could survive so there's a couple that, that jump out, which I'm sure they would if I was in the cabin in the woods. Hey! Um, clowns. I mean, clowns are essentially just men with makeup. I mean, it. At, it doesn't say it, because it isn't technically a clown. It is many things. It just manifests. Oh, true. Kill, killer clowns from outer space are clowns, but also they're aliens that look like clowns. John Wayne yeah, Gacy. Again, this, this just says clown. So I think I could take out clown. Kevin. I don't know who Kevin is, but I'm, I work with a guy called Kevin. I could probably survive him. My, my dad's called Kevin. <laughs> I've survived This is so very far. true. Yeah, so I think we, we'd both do all right with Kevin. And the other one, maybe if I'm going to go out, I'll just go out with the sexy witches. <laughs> I mean, I'm fairly sure Dismemberment Goblins is actually like a norwegian death metal band or something so that could be quite fun yep oh it's a tough one like the scarecrow folk i feel like would just need fire like i feel like there's gonna be a way around that 
I do like how there's there's sexy witches and just witches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you know you can't you can't mix the two up. True, you need true. to specify. Um, so at one point in the film, all of these things appear and it's all crazy. And well, and 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 then some. And right? then some, yeah. And to revisit our villainous act for uh, these guys, so uh, Citizen and Hadley are the main uh, people who seem to be manning the kind of the computers and arranging everything. So obviously I kind of mentioned before that their kind of villainous act appears to be the torture and murder of random college students. But on, a, on an annual on basis. On an annual basis. Big, big spoiler alert, I think, if you haven't seen Cabin in the Woods, because this comes sort of comes out of nowhere at the end. Oh, right? true. Yeah, so pause. Skip this section if you want to avoid spoilers for Cabin in the Woods. Maybe go re-listen to me talking for 15 minutes about pirates. But their actual villainous, in quotation marks, act is actively saving the world. So, turns out... There are worldwide annual rituals of human sacrifice to appease the ancient ones who are slumbering Cthulhu Lovecraft style gods that sleep below the surface of the earth. And each region has their own rituals. And the American ritual involves the sacrifice of five archetypes. So you have the whore, the athlete, the scholar, the fool, and the virgin. And it doesn't matter in what order they're killed, as long as the whore is killed first, and the virgin dies last or survives. Which is just the plot of every single fucking slasher movie that has come out, or the majority of slasher films. It's a really clever way of explaining why so many of these films are so similar. The Japanese ritual is parody of J-horror stuff. So it's a very ring-style ghost and instead of college age people it's school children the swedish one is a natural disaster there's an argentinian ritual which is a giant ape so it goes full kaiju on everything and then the spanish one is a burning building that looks kind of very gothic so it's kind of your devil's backbone Guillermo del toro kind of stuff it's mentioned that basically the ancient ones have got bored and apparently it was a lot easier when you could just throw people into a volcano, but they now demand complex entertainment. I mean, you know, if they're, they're ancient, they've been around a while, I guess they want, you know, well, they want to be entertained. Exactly, but what you're probably thinking, dear listener, if you're still listening and haven't seen the film, which is a very niche section, are, are they right? Like, you know, they're still villainous if they're assuming all of this. Um, turns out they are right, because the real villain of Cabin in the Woods, Graham, is that prick Dana, the fucking stoner guy. Right, no, not stoner guy. Is Dana and um, Marty. So Marty is the stoner guy, and Dana is the, uh, inverted commas, virgin character. Yeah, and the other one's the fool, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and he smokes weed that fucks up with the uh, drugs that are being pumped in, so he's a lot more aware of what's happening. All of the rituals have failed, apart from the American one. They're explained by a brilliant unexpected cameo that I won't spoil for people. They're explained what's going to happen and that all they need is for Marty to die. And they decide that humanity isn't worth saving. And that that's all 7.8 billion people aren't worth saving. And they don't kill Marty. And then I think 
is it based on the sun coming up? Everything like this seems to be done on the sun coming up. But then the Ancient One wakes up and the world ends. Scene. To be fair, though, if this was canon with the MCU, it would only be, like, what, 3.9 billion people. Ah, uh, no, no. If, if, if this was canon with the MCU, there would be half of the Ancient Ones as well. So we, <laughs> we don't know what... So they might only be able to kill half of what's left. So we're talking a 25% survival rate, which isn't that bad in a post-apocalyptic oh. So what you're saying is Thanos really did have a point. <laughs> Thanos <laughs> is the only person who could stop the ancient ones, <laughs> apart from <laughs> happened in the woods. Because they, they are the, they're the, they're the villains of the piece, but they have been actively saving the world. Basically... The entirety of human civilization. Well, it's 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 basically the trolley problem on a global scale, right? Yeah, I mean, and they didn't even make the college kids likable. Like fuck no. The only one I liked was um, Chris Hemsworth character, and he was a dick. It was just because I like Chris Hemsworth. It's he, he, Chris Hemsworth yeah. is the anti Elizabeth Banks that we've talked about before. So i don't like elizabeth banks because she lied about being pregnant in scrubs to jd and i have held that against the actress which makes no sense at all but chris hemsworth could play a serial killer and i would still sit there going oh chris hemsworth's great isn't he just so fun yeah i can i can see that he does he does the the motorbike. He's trying to escape from the motorbike. Yes, right? That's yeah. In, and yeah, he yeah. smashes into uh, the force field, which is when you realise oh something weird's going on here. Yeah, it, it's so cleverly done. It's it's a fantastic movie. It's it's definitely one of my favourites. A lot of rewatch value. Yeah, and it it also I I love that it explains shit horror films. Yeah, because and also the the twist because the the twist at the end is really really good, and I also. The the other thing that's that's great about it is thinking obviously like you say you have the the murderous hillbilly family is like the the choice this year, but how good would it be to like go back and see the other previous cabin in the woods with all of the other like you know the the massive snake or whatever whichever one they you know popped it's out not even year. that it, it's like if you're looking at so there's there's a lot of Evil Dead references, so like Deadites are on the whiteboard. Yeah. What I would love to see is just um, scenes of them at their desk intercut into established horror movies. Yeah, yeah. So throw it into, well, Friday the 13th, all of those um, random shit ones. But yeah, it, it's just, it's such a good film. And the, the villains clearly have a point because, like, yes. Human sacrifice is bad, but they were right. Like, it was actually stopping the destruction of the planet. Like, yeah. it's, it's a difficult one, but... I mean, there's, there's probably an argument to say that, you know, are the ancient ones the villains and are the, you know, the guys that are facilitating the, the human sacrifice mere sort of pawns in the, in the larger... The larger scope of things. Uh, yeah, but then also, we're, again, we're coming into a bit more causality stuff there. Like, you know, is is the real villain in the MCU climate change and overpopulation and Thanos is just the instrument in which it's showing itself? I don't know, Graham. This isn't a philosophy podcast. 
It is apparently a history podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's bordering on a philosophy podcast this week as well, to be fair. Why? And on to my final choice. So my final choice is a collective within this film. They are painted as the bad guys. I think, I guess they have a supporting bad guy role. They're not like the overall, they're not the person Billie Eilish was singing about, but they helped the guy that Billie Eilish was singing so about. So they, they don't have ocean eyes uh, <laughs> talking to the person. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Can't do a Pink Floyd joke, but Billy fucking Eilish, straight in there. Could say she's my nice. uh, strange addiction. Boom. But yeah. So anyway, my my final choice is the hyenas from The Lion King. Nice. Animated or John Favreau? Uh, John Favreau isn't a hyena. Oh, Ian. good. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> but animated purely because I haven't seen the uh, <laughs> the John Favreau one. Um, I've heard mixed reviews. Ah, uh, we could do this. Uh, the, the 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 problem. So there was a great deep fake of the new Lion King, where they superimposed the color palette of the original one, and it was amazing. I'll I'll I'll, I'll put it as the in the episode notes. It is it is incredible. It really livens it up. But the problem is they're too realistic. Like you you can't empathize with an actual fucking lion. It, it's it's it just creates like a level of distance between everything that's happening, which is a shame because I mean, you know, Billy Eichner's in it, and I've got a lot of time for him. Yeah, Billy on the street is fantastic. And also, they've taken two of arguably the best pop vocalists currently doing stuff. Uh, Childish Gambino's not doing stuff anymore, is he? As Childish Gambino. Well, he said that he wasn't, and then he released that. That's surprise oh, yeah, true. album. Um, what six yeah, months they, ago? They so. take two of arguably the best. Well, Beyonce, there's no arguing against that. <laughs> let's let's not beat around the bush. I'm arguing entirely about putting uh, Donald Glover up there. They take two of the best singers around, but their voices don't go well together. Like it's bordering on awkward. Yeah, I, I again, I, I haven't yeah. heard it. So yeah, yeah. I, like, so I just can't, just can't pass. Just had to get out there, out there now. So Lion King. Yeah. So yeah. So the hyenas. So obviously they are basically like the the sidekicks to to Scar and his um evil plan to to fell Mufasa and and take over Pride Rock and everything. But you have to, you know, if we take a step back and figure out why the hyenas maybe felt that they needed to back Scar and why why they went against Mufasa. Why did they feel the need to kind of have this uprising and be part of it? And, you know, when it boils down to it, they kind of just wanted to eat. Like, they didn't have a food source anymore because Mufasa banished them to the elephant graveyard. Like, he basically sentenced them to a life of, like, scraping by in an area of, like, desolation and hopelessness and this is the same guy that preached the circle of life and how all animals should be respected and even the antelope eventually eat the lions because they die and become earth and grass blah blah but where the fuck do the hyenas like he doesn't give a shit about the hyenas they don't come into his circle of the life. hyenas are over there <laughs> yeah there's in the venn diagram of the circle of life there is no room for the hyenas um and you know 
Elton never wrote about this in the pop song. Uh, Be Prepared was a great fucking villain song, though. It was a very good villain song. That would be, yeah. We do have to do a Disney song episode at some point. But yeah, so like, obviously, it's when you kind of think about it, it's kind of easy to see how Scar got them on side. And basically, it's very similar to how a lot of sort of dictators have gotten a rise out of the marginalized in society because he's essentially promised them a basic human or hyena privilege i'm just i'm just really glad we're not going too heavy again on this episode (laughs) (laughs) you know he tells them stick with me you won't go hungry they're not out for the power they're not seeking what scar is seeking they just want a seat at the table Um, and not even the decision making just the dinner table they just want some food that's the thing like if if all all the convincing it takes is i will make sure you're not hungry you know something isn't quite right with society absolutely um, and I was reading a, a really good Cracked article about this, and they basically said that Scar was essentially a four-legged Lenin <laughs> offering the hyenas a revolution against the repressive lion regime who had treated them like second-class citizens. So can you really blame them? And also, you know, they're not inherently bad because, again, right, spoiler alert for a film that came out, what, nearly 30 years ago, um, oh my god, oh, they... oh my god, Lion King came out nearly 30 years ago. <laughs> oh, um, oh that, that's, that's, that's not okay, sorry, carry on. You, are you alright? Oh. Do you need a moment? Oh, oh, was Beauty and the Beast 91? <laughs> sorry, carry on. They turn on Scar, they kill Scar when it's apparent that he never had their best interests at heart, that he was using them. They weren't backing Scar and his plan. They were backing someone they thought that would enable them to become equal again and have a food source. So yeah, like, yeah, they kind of partook in some questionable things, but ultimately they were just trying to get by and survive. Yeah, I'll be interested to see, you know, the the Phantom Menace version of Lion King where we go deep into this political economic discussion with things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, what was there a point where they were ever like? Has this always been the way, or was there a point where Mufasa was like, you know what, fuck you guys, fuck off, go over there. We I don't mean, go over there. But it's weird, right? Like he singles them out. It seems like he's, you know, he he is Mufasa is essentially the anti Thanos, right? <laughs> Mufasa dialed in to a specific species and marginalise them. Thanos would never. That's all I'm saying. Fair. And then you also you, you also have Scar. So Scar, who was such a bad ruler, the weather changed. <laughs> which I which I always find. Like, I know Mufasa turns into a cloud, but did he control the rain? Did he control the rains down in Africa? No, that was Toto. We know that was Toto. <laughs> well, speaking of which, I was very close to doing um, Wicked Witch. Oh, I was looking at that as but, well. But I feel like because of um, because there's an entire musical written about how she wasn't the villain, it feels like cheating. No, I like it. So, so basically we're saying hyenas were the evil butch soldiers who were tricked into it. Yeah, they were... Look, they, they were marginalised, they were, they were unfairly treated, and they were given a way out. And they they grasped it. And when it became apparent that actually that way out was 
you know, not not true, no, that they were kind of being taken advantage of. They, you know, reneged on their their uh, commitment and and took out the the leader and actually arguably became the heroes of the whole story because they ended up killing Scar. So interesting. So you're you're saying it's okay to renege on agreements as long as you realize it's not good for you. That's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> Give me a minute. Yeah. I don't think the hyenas hated the homeless though. So, you know, Spoilers, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That is a that is a good choice. Uh, peek behind the curtain. Another Wizard of Oz reference there. That's two. We'll go for the three at some point. Something about the yellow brick road. Um, yeah. Uh, well, no, that's that's more an Elton John reference. So. Well, and that all ties together with the Lion King. Because yeah, Goodbye yeah. Yellow Brick Road was an amazing album. It was a very good album. Should we just end it there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've we've covered a lot of classic albums in this one. <laughs> Rocket Man. Okay, are you good for carry on, or do you need a break? Or no, because I know what's coming. So no, I'm not yeah. good for uh, to carry carry on. Okay. And fuck you, Ian. So this choice, I believe, when I originally raised this uh, beforehand, uh, Graham thought I was joking. He is not happy that I picked this film, and. Part of me is legitimately worried that not only will the podcast end at this point, but so will our friendship. So, my pick is Benny from the 2005 film Rent, which is based on the 1996 musical. I will give you three interjections while I'm explaining my point. <laughs> okay? I'll give you, like, you'll, you'll have, okay. like, your buzzer that you can, you can hit down on, and I, I will stop and allow you to continue. And then once I've said my piece, we will debate afterwards, like civilised co-hosts. Is that okay? That's fine. Okay. Sounds like you're trying to... to actually, no, don't worry. I, 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 I was going to bring up a point now, but I won't. I'll save, yeah, save it for it. one of my interjections. Nice. So, <laughs> are you ready for your first interjection? Benny's <laughs> villainous act is asking his friends to pay rent. Or okay. help him... I'm going to interject straight away. Interjection. Because <laughs> he's not, he's, it's not asking to pay rent. He says that he'll let them continue living rent free if they do what he wants. So it benefits him. It is blackmail. It is not asking them to live rent free. And also, he has only just bought the building and he asked them for a year's rent, a year's previous rent, not a month's rent, not the previous month's rent since he bought the building. But he asked for a whole year, which is completely unreasonable. And surely cashing in on liabilities that were not his. Anyway, continue. Uh, so that, no, that that that's fine. So hyenas can renege on agreements, but humans can't. <laughs> cool. Um, so it's just how the animal kingdom works. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't write the rules. So Benny asks his friends to pay rent or help him curtail a protest that is going to stop his plans for a state of the art. Digital, virtual, interactive studio called Cyberland. Which clearly isn't the thing. (laughs) So my understanding is, so do you know how long they lived in that building rent-free? No, off the top of my head, no. I do know that he used to live there rent-free. So he let them live free, live rent-free there, in New York City, while they were turning down jobs. For 1,051,200 minutes, which is a fucking amazing rent joke, and I want credit for that. 
but how do you measure two years in the life of a bunch of fucking hipster cunts? Rent follows a group of friends. We won't go too far into it. You should really know what Rent is. It's a classic. Basically, Roger and Mark, who are horrible people. Wait, okay. I don't want to use up an interjection. <laughs> so, <laughs> they were offered rent-free living in writing and use of an art studio um, if they helped stop a performance which was done to... So basically, for Benny to build this studio, he would have to remove uh, loads of homeless people who were living in a tent city in the lot. Which isn't great, but it's also not on him. It's not Benny's job to sort out the homeless problem in New York. He's not an elected official. He's pumping money back into the area looking to revitalise it. Right, okay, I'm it. interjecting. <laughs> interjection. Number He's two. not pumping... Like, <laughs> he, the, the idea that Benny is interjecting this money... He 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 got in this position because he married someone rich hey, and is what's like, for Trump, Graham? Shh, <laughs> shmo- Okay, so you're saying Trump has a point? Are you saying Lenin had a point? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about you. We're not talking about the hyenas. <laughs> he only is in his good position because of nepotism. He lived in this place rent when he was living there rent free. It was fine. But now he needs to blackmail it because he hates homeless people and wants to make money for his rich father-in-law. Continues. So he's not making money for his rich father-in-law. The condos he... Farmer-in-law. Yeah, farmer-in-law. <laughs> it's, this, is, this is all set in rural New York. <laughs> Upstate. Yeah. No, the, um, so the condos he's going to build will pay for the art studio, which will allow a lot of artists to work. Apparently only thing these people care about is art so you know it is a big deal and so in my eyes benny is trying to revitalize and bring back something to the area by building this art studio you don't build an art studio to make money for people it's, it is something it, it, he, he is trying to improve the area and okay sorry i'm just i'm just writing down that ian supports gentrification okay come on, continue cool, cool. um <laughs> Graham supports communist hyenas. Um, <laughs> none of the other characters are doing anything about the homeless problem. So Mark, who is the biggest piece of shit in the whole thing, is doing a documentary on the homeless. But he's not actually doing anything. He also hates his parents who offered him money, which would have sorted this whole problem out at the beginning of the fucking film. So Benny offered them rent-free living in writing. Um, he did, to be fair, he did blackmail them to stop this protest because he thought the protest could cause problems. And also the protest was a self-entitled clusterfuck of a show about fucking cows. Like, I love Adina Menzel as much as the next man, but that was weird. And it sparked a riot. So maybe if you did like the community, you wouldn't want a riot there. But, you know... Well, sometimes I think, Ian, if 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 you're being sensitive, sorry, 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 Graham, so, Graham, are, are you interjecting? Do you know? Yes, probably. <laughs> yeah, fuck it, I'm interjecting. Interjection. Um, maybe if you're being sensitive to you know the politics of the last eighteen months that we've lived through, you might realise that certain things require 
things such as riots to get points across and to make actual change in society. Yeah, well, as I put in my notes, knowing America it was the police that started this, but that doesn't help my argument, close brackets. <laughs> <laughs> so the riot causes setbacks. He goes to the Life Cafe with all of his investors to talk through what was happening and the happy gang turn up and start spending all this money they don't have. So either they're spending money they don't have or they're not going to pay the calf for all the food and drink they're going through. But lovey fucking Bohem. It's... I listened to that earlier today. It's such a good song. It's a great song, isn't it? But the point (laughs) stands. And this is a man whose dog had been murdered. Actually, they no. Murdered his dog. This is Angel wait, wait. murdered his dog. No, no. The dog killed it. The dog committed suicide just because it didn't like drums. Angel killed the dog. How could Angel? Angel wasn't even in the same room as the dog. She was in a different Angel room. Angel killed the dog, Graham. We know Angel killed the dog. It was said in a song. No, no. The dog barked itself to death. That is a, literally a lyric in the song. Yeah, but she makes the point. If this were to keep happen, the dog would probably die. And it makes it happen. Angel killed the dog. Benny then pays mm. for Angel's funeral. Spoiler for something that came up 30 odd years ago. Pays for another character's rehab. And then pays their rent anyway. So what you're saying is he just likes flaunting his cash around. Basically. Benny is trying... That isn't his. Benny is trying to help his friends who are refusing to help themselves get jobs, live the life that they want, and just try and help them in what they're doing it is a romantic portrayal of artists versus the establishment and it is fucking bullshit it's he he's so there is a line in the vpoem which is you make fun yet i'm the one attempting to do some good or do you really want a neighborhood where people piss on your stoop every night so he is trying it's not that he hates the homeless he is trying to give back to his area and the, the area includes everyone that's there like the Art studios can create jobs. He could be creating jobs. But then, surely the art studio is part of Bohemia, and he says that Bohemia is a fallacy. Bohemia is a part of fucking Europe. At the very least, Benny isn't the worst person in Rent. The actual villain of Rent, I believe, is another character. But just because someone isn't the worst person doesn't make them a good person. No, but it cannot make them the villain. It could just make them... But you're but by virtue of saying that he's a villain who had a point means that you think he's a villain. That requires <laughs> a bit of getting around. So society, society and rent fanboys have said he is a villain, and I am I'm glad you didn't say rent boys. <laughs> <laughs> society and rent fans would say he is a villain. And I am saying that that villain has a point. And that point is he is trying to help his friends, help the neighbourhood, and all of his friends are cunts. Apart from one. Like, so Roger um, is a piece of shit. So there is a scene where Roger, um, his, his ex-partner, they find her and she's dying. She's dying on, I, I believe, is it like the, the fucking kitchen table or something? Like She's, she's in their flat. And she's dying. Yeah. Someone's gone to find the ambulance. Roger is sitting there looking at her, thinking, oh my God, what can I do? 
I know. I bet she wants to hear the song I've been fucking writing. So grabs his guitar and sings just a horrific song right at her. Because apparently her only value in his life is being a muse. But, you know, at least he was there. You know, her other ex-partner, uh, oh, Benny, he wasn't anywhere to be yeah, he seen. He was too busy trying to pay for rehab, Graham. Because he actually cares and puts his money where his mouth is. Does he care, though, or does he pressure Mimi into telling Roger that they were together before? And also, then, after her and Roger break up, go all weird and tell her that she's not meant to be speaking to him anymore, despite the fact that he's still married to someone else. Hey, man. Is this an episode about people who are saints? No. (laughs) This is an episode about villains who had a point. Maureen is a narcissistic piece of shit with a streak of infidelity. But the real, the real villain of Rent is Mark. Mark is an absolute piece of shit. So, one, he hates his parents, who just kind of seem kind of nice and trying to help him out. Um, at one point, he actually gets it. So he's a, he's a filmmaker. And at one point, he gets a job in his chosen field. But, so actually filming things for people, which would give him money. And he'd be able to do things. And instead of doing that, he quits because he couldn't possibly have a job and work on his own projects, which is a really self-aggrandizing piece about the homeless. He isn't doing anything. And a homeless woman tells him basically to go fuck himself at one point of it. It's, it's... Doesn't she tell him to get off her dick? I think. Yes, the yes. No, it was, it was <laughs> I Shakespearean. But... <laughs> he spends his time making these videos instead of actually doing anything and then still seems to think he's a better person than everyone else. He is a complete bastard. Um, and taking the money he was offered in taking this job would have solved the vast majority of the problems which were set out during the course of the film. So my argument is, Benny, though he is seen as a villain by most, was actually doing what was best for his friends and society around him i have and i will say this verbatim from notes i have made this makes me feel very much on a political spectrum that i'm not happy with but having money and trying to do things with it don't make you by default a bastard i realize i am defending landlords i realize all of that stuff i'm not saying i hate homeless people i think that the changes he would have made to the neighborhood ultimately would have been good for them as well but you know, let's let's side with the people doing absolutely fucking nothing in the house. He's letting them. Yeah, in. but also surely that if he's you know in such a fantastic position, despite coming from living in the exact same place where his friends used to live before he married upwards and failed upwards, um, surely he could do something better with his money and his status to help the homeless problem. Oh, like, than like by saying tear down the tent city. Like, and leave them nowhere to live. Oh, so you're saying homeless people should live in tents? Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> that's that's not what I said. Right, I just I just <laughs> need a fake type. Graham says <laughs> he's giving them access to uh, art. Cyberlands. We don't know what Cyberlands going to do because it's clearly a fucking made up thing. Sorry, you're right. The thing that homeless people really need to get them back on their feet is art. You know what? They don't need to get back on their feet. Piece of shit documentary makers. But this is, your whole argument is boiling down to other people are pieces of shit. But that doesn't make Benny a good person. It doesn't make him a good person, but it means he has a point. He is, he doesn't he have is a trying point. to help his friends. No, he's not. He's trying to blackmail his no, friends. No, 
They, he, the, he, he's, no, trying, no. he's trying to give them a place to fucking live in New York fucking city, which isn't a human right at the point anyway. And he's just saying, look, I need you to help me stop this protest. But he, he also capitalised on the fact that this was an abandoned place that he then decided to buy up because he knew that people were living there rent-free because he used to live there rent-free. He tries to help his friends and he is trying to revitalise the neighbourhood. And he's... Uh, extremely toxic towards his ex-girlfriend despite also being married to someone who is the only reason he's in this position because he's basically taken advantage of the nepotism that it's afforded him. Yes, but I didn't talk about that because it damages my <laughs> argument. <laughs> Benny, I, I, I strongly believe Benny has a point. He's not a perfect man. He's not a saint. He has a point. I would... So he, he has a point that that he hates homeless people. It's a good idea to blackmail your friends. You should marry for power and money instead of love. Uh, you should um, take advantage of your ex-partners and ruin their relationships. Um, and I just, not necessarily Benny, but you support gentrification. All right, so let's, let's start this from the top, shall we? I can't remember what the top was. So... There's a lot of thing, a lot of things that Benny does that is in line with every single other person in this fucking movie, in that it isn't a particularly nice thing. Benny is the only one who is trying to do something about the neighborhood. Like you don't want a neighborhood where people piss on your stoop every day. Yeah, he's not. Also, he's only, he's the only one that's got the means to do yeah. it. How is how is anyone else gonna? But he's not even doing anything. Like he's not doing the best that he Mark, can. He's trying to the, make Mark money out of it. Mark had the means to do things, but he decided he couldn't have a job and work on his shitty documentary. And it's it's I'm, just I'm not, because he's got. I'm, a... I'm not agreeing with because apparently only again as we know, only hyenas can renege on agreements. I I I don't agree with him. So my understanding is they lived there for a while rent-free while Benny was the landlord of it, and he just let it happen because they lived there before, and he knew that because he lived there before with him. Um, and then he demanded this back rent, or them to help him curtail this protest that was going to stop his plans to build these condos and build Cyberland, which again is a stupid name for an art studio. But some people when all they're going to do is hang around a fucking flat playing guitar all day, need to kick up the arse. He was trying to motivate him, Graham. And you know who needs motivation? Mark. Because Mark is a piece of shit. But also, like, if you're... If, if you're going to your friends and you're like, right, actually, from next month on, I'm going to need you to start paying rent. Okay, maybe. Maybe. Maybe I can see your point. He demands the whole of the previous 12 months rent or actually i'll let you off of that if you break up this protest that's actually gonna you know try and support a living space for a lot of homeless people homeless people shouldn't be living in a tent city the government and governing body should be doing something about it yeah but also it's impossible to just click your fingers and make that a thing whereas it's a, it's a better scenario that they have somewhere to belong than nowhere to belong. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm currently Googling the lyrics to uh, La Vie Bohème. 
it's not on Benny to sort out the homeless problem in, um, in New York City. But apparently it's on him to... But we're just going to keep going. Benny's a piece of shit. And just because everyone else is a piece of shit as well, apart from Angel, I maintain Angel... Is- Angel killed a fucking dog! <laughs> no, she didn't. She did! Not kill her. She did not kill the dog. Angel killed the dog. She did not kill the dog. <sighs> well, given this is my section, I'm saying... Angel killed the dog. <laughs> no, I, I would say the only relatively good people are... So, Collins... Uh, yeah. So Co- Collins is the closest character you have to give back to his neighbourhood, and he does that by reprogramming an ATM. And there's Joanne, who seems to be the most sensible, but still spends far too much of her time with a group of toxic cunts. But do you know who's the worst out of all of them? Mark. It's Benny. Mark, Mark is the worst one out of them all. So because we will never see eye to eye on this, I propose we, we, we move yeah, past okay. it and just acknowledge I'm right. Anyway. No, not that part. <laughs> So those are our choices, then. <laughs> Again, we already set expectations that this episode will probably go on longer than longer than normal, so we're fine. But yeah. out of your choices, who would who would yeah. you say has uh, the most point? So the most point, I think, has to go to the machines in the Matrix. I just think that the way that everything panned out, you know, they were they were really screwed over, and actually, even in enslaving humanity they did it in the nicest possible way that they could um so yeah i think fair fucks to them next up is in second place is probably the hyenas again their motives were just to eat which i think is you know fair enough they clearly weren't bought into sort of scars um take on things it was just uh he was the one that seemed to provide them with you know the ability to to live and then in third place would be thanos because i think his motivation you know there is there is an argument to say that you know he was trying to do what he believed was the right thing but there is definitely a number of issues around the way he went about it and also the the fact that you know there are arguments to say that actually you know is um you know is or would particularly for earth would overpopulation be a thing that would drive a lack of resources etc again there's the whole climate change issue etc etc but yeah i think he probably has the smallest claim particularly for how violent he was in in how he went about things and the whole in you know force adopting um which sounds like something in Star Wars. Uh, maybe, maybe if instead of Order sixty six, Anakin had just forced adopts those Padawans, it would have been, you know. Anyway, it would have been fine. That's my choices. How about you, sir? So, and obviously Benny is in first place. Obviously Benny's first. No, so um, <laughs> number one for me is going to be depending how you want to phrase it, uh, Citizen in Hadley or the organization or whatever it is in Cabin in the Woods. Obviously, what they're doing is positioned as villainous, and they are annually slaughtering people, but they are saving the world and do seem to have a point. Yeah, and as a as a percentage of the other way, it is minimal. Yeah. Um. Don't 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 do it. Second place against my better judgment. I'm going to do Benny from Rent because I think Rent because. <laughs> 
I honestly think he's just trying to do the best for his friends, even though he's not going about it in a particularly good way. I think his friends are all toxic pieces of shit, and he's doing what he can. So, sorry, just let me let me get this right. You say so you think it's better to displace the homeless than, than take out all of piracy. Okay, cool. So, second place is... <laughs> um, no, so, obviously, my third place would then be Lord Cutler Beckett. Um, the main reason I have him third isn't his. I believe his end goal is more laudable than Benny wanting to build Cyberland. Um, <laughs> but also, Benny, right? We we're not going to be able to agree on a lot with Benny. I I can see that now, but I think we can agree that Benny, at no point in Rent, hangs a child. Fuck Benny and fuck you. <laughs> Should I just do the credits there immediately? <laughs> okay. Would would our friendship be better served if I put Benny third? Yeah. <laughs> so first on my list is the the organization from uh Captain in the Woods. Second, obviously, was always going to be Lord Cutler Beckett for Pirates of the Caribbean. And third is going to be uh, Benny from Rent, who um, was only ever trying to do right by his friends. So what would what do you think should be our joint number one? Do you know one? what, at this point, as long as Benny's not in the top three, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Shall we just call it a day? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, fr- from my side, is uh, the machines the highest? Um, just because of not only did they have a justification for what they did, but also they kind of did it in the nicest way possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were. If if we're viewing the heroes in the Matrix as humans, you you could very easily switch that. So, like, again, a film I reference all the time. If we did the whole passengers thing with The Matrix and had the film from the machine's point of view, they are not the villains at all. They were were driven to a... Driven to riot. Exiled, essentially. Exiled to their own city. And when that city did well, war was declared on them. They won the war. Then humanity blacked out the sky. (laughs) And then, yeah, so I I think that that is a... A fair number one. I would do a close second the team from Cabin in the Woods for literally saving the world right up until the point that they didn't. Yep, I, I think so. I think that's that's a fair shout. I think it is essentially the 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 most the the trolley problem on the largest possible scale. And usually when you talk about the trolley problem, um for those who don't know, is the whole idea of like you've got one person on one track and five people on the other track. The the train is going towards five people in the trolley. If you pull the lever, it's going to go and kill one person, or do you leave it and take out the five people? And, you know, that, that's small numbers, right? You're talking about 20% of the... You're killing 20% of the number of people, um, or 100% being the five. If you take that... If you scale it up to the cabin in the woods of five people or over 7.8 billion... <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of it's you know, it's kind of an easy choice. Yeah, it's um it's not something you like to see. Also, I don't want to see the ancient ones destroy the planet, so I feel like there was a point there. They're still they're still definitely villains. 
<laughs> there was a point there. They're also kind of they're kind of accessories as well, right? Like the real villains are the ancient ones who are gonna destroy humanity and they're kind of like they're they're performing a necessary evil to, to keep the yeah, world going. True. True. So the battle for third then. We're looking uh communist hyenas. Um <laughs> versus a man who wanted to rid the world of piracy but also kill children. What are your thoughts? I'll be honest, it's not a question I've been asked before. <laughs> really, you see, did, did you miss, like, the, uh, when we were all in year nine, we got called into the gym to talk through it all? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, kids, one day, the strange bearded man is going to ask you to pick between communist hyenas or a man who wants to rid the world of piracy but also will kill kids. I strongly believe... Piracy had a lot of uh, dire consequences during this time, and I don't believe wanting to get rid of pirates is necessarily a bad thing. I would still say Beckett was distinctly a villain because he definitely there was there was a personal. Um... So Black Sails does it very well as well, where um, they add a lot of the main guy who's been sent to destroy piracy and black sails they add a personal edge to it as well and that's where all of the villainous stuff comes from rather than him wanting to stop piracy um yeah i think i could buy into it more if he didn't like really hone in on the you know and i guess it makes sense because it would be a bit of a weird movie if he didn't hone in on the protagonist because it would be just be like oh yeah there, there is this guy who who is trying to get rid of, but he's not here at the moment because he's he's dealing with all of the other. <laughs> yeah, um, he's busy. He's out. But yeah, I get it. We don't see the levels of piracy that you mentioned earlier. Your history piracy um, in the Disney format so much. Oh, it's, I hadn't thought of it. It's Disney versus Disney for for, for third place. Um, so we we're, we're definitely ruling out Benny from Red. If I could come around. <laughs> and slap you <laughs> i would yeah i mean look i think as well the hyenas they they get caught up in trying to survive right and also have the sort of redemption that they take out the main villain of the of the movie as well in the end you know as is often said i don't think there's a huge amount to choose from between hyenas and um the end of piracy but yeah, to be honest, as long as Benny's not in there, pirate hyenas. Let's go. Let's let's go hyenas. We we can actually no. Fuck it. Let's go back it. Pirates are bad, and Alan spent a lot of time coming up with that research for me, and he should be rewarded. Yeah, but also mm, his fantasy football. He's very bad at fantasy football. That's fair. Maybe he does need this win though. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The the the, the only issue with Beckett is. Let's indiscriminately hanging people indiscriminately, indiscriminately hanging people which is a bit of a blemish on the uh, wiping out piracy record so I, I will be willing to concede and go with the hyenas just just so that that's not held against me in <laughs> future conversation <laughs> can we acknowledge that Mark is just as bad as fucking Benny and Roger is up there because if I turn up at your house dying I don't want you to pull out your fucking guitar I mean I, I don't have one and I can't play it, so I won't. But I will 
I will light your candle here. Thanks, man. It's a lot. They're all bastards. Right! They are all bastards. Cool. I think, actually, Angel and Collins are my two favourites. Angel called a dog. <laughs> Collins? I'll give you Collins. Angel, I still think, is a dog murderer. And I can't, I can't let that slide. But that is a conversation for our future episode, Best Dog Murderers. So, <laughs> save that debate for then. So, the final top three on uh, the podcast I've asked for is villains who had a point. So, number one is the machines from the Matrix. Would it be the Matrix Expanded Universe? Yeah, I think so. It's the, yeah, the Matrix so, Universe, I think, makes sense. So the machines from the Matrixes, uh, but not the Muppets one. Uh, number two is the uh, organization in Cabin in the Woods. And then number three is the communist hyenas in The Lion King. If you agree with us on our choices, if you had any better ideas, if you agree with me with the fact that Benny is definitely the hero in Rent, you can reach out us, uh, reach out to us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for. We also now have a coffee page where you can support the podcast by sending us basically buying us a coffee um, and you can do that at co-fi.com forward slash the podcast nobody asked for all money we get from that will be pumped straight back into the podcast and we'll make it bigger and better and i don't know we'll get a rent specialist on or something and obviously the more money that does go into that will make that actually ian's favorite coffee of the day rather than the one just before lunch so you'll you'll be doing very true very true if like me you know how terribly awful the idea of benny having any redeeming features is and you just want to express it loud and clear via the medium of twitter um 280 characters probably isn't enough but give it a go um you can tweet us about it at nobody asked for pod with the number four um, you can also spam our Facebook page at the same address with uh, images and uh, memes about how terrible a person Benny actually is. So that was a that was a good one. I feel like we have just about salvaged our friendship, which is which is which is good. I'm glad we did that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm acutely aware that you know if it ever comes down to it, you will try and blackmail me um, into paying you rent or breaking up a homeless tent city but you know hopefully we never have to cross that bridge. that's cool and i also know that you will always side with hyena rights <laughs> over that of just people trying to help their friends la vie fucking bohème <laughs>